This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour. This is the Conversation Hour. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. And there is some serious shoulder-shaking action happening in two <laughs> dual studios at the moment. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt. Your co-host this morning, James Findlay, a regular family member of the Conversation Hour and now host of ABC Darwin's afternoon program. Still dancing away there, James. Happy Mardi Gras. <laughs> Happy Mardi Gras to you too, Rich. It's uh, great to be back. Thanks for having me. Now, Mardi Gras, it is a time of celebration, of dance, of being who you are. It started, though, as a, a place of protest, you know, back in the late 70s. And I guess Mardi Gras is often debated, not every year, but some years more than ever. And it feels like who should be marching, who should be represented in Mardi Gras is up for debate again at the moment. Our Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, for the first time ever, an Australian Prime Minister, is marching in Mardi Gras. More and more corporates are spending more and more money in the Mardi Gras parade. And that's kind of not always leaving a great taste in people's mouths. Yeah, that's right. Son, it's, it's, it's always been a debate. And I think what we'll find today is it does come and go. Um, I I was surprised this weekend when I uh, found out that Anthony Albanese would be the first Prime Minister to be marching in the parade. I, I, sure, when it was repeated, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it is. But it's, what, it's 2023 and the first Prime Minister to, to march. I think Malcolm Turnbull was the first one to attend. Uh, I, th- I think this even says that we've still got a long way to go. But that aside, I do love this time of year. It's... It just brings such a sense of pride. Uh, I, admittedly, I won't be able to go this year. It's too fast, far, and it's too expensive to go. But it, it doesn't mean that uh, I won't be uh, tapping in in, in any way that I can. Yeah, well, you right. were there last year, and you were one of the official ABC reporters at Mardi Gras last year, which is a little different. It was sort of in you know a, a showground arena, which is. The way Mardi Gras is done in other countries now, as opposed to being down a main street. But what was what was last year like? I mean, was there discussions around, you know, whether corporations like A and Z should be there, political parties should be there? I know there's even discussions around whether or not TikTok should have a have a float. But I mean, was it up for debate last year? I don't think it was. It, I feel like it's always up for debate, but I feel like there's definitely been a stronger. Uh, sense of debate around it this time. And I don't know whether it's because, you know, at the what, last year, 2022, at the start, I think we were starting to come out of uh, a lot of those lockdowns and we were a bit more free than we were the two years before that. And I, everyone was just really happy that they could celebrate in a way that they we hadn't been able to celebrate the previous years. So I think that was definitely an overwhelming feeling of celebration because we could. But now that things have been a little bit more normal over the past year, uh, it, it is bringing up other issues that uh, may need addressing. Well, as Mardi Gras festivities kick off this weekend, heading into the Mardi Gras parade on the 5th of March, maybe you're considering heading 
down to Sydney or up to Sydney, maybe you're thinking this year is not for you. And if there's a, a local Pride event that you're hosting, how do you feel about corporates, about local politicians or councils being involved in those events? Is it a way to break down barriers to start real conversations? Is it a way that you can be your true self at work? Or is it simply not a place for corporates? Is It's a place for individuals to be who they are and to celebrate who they are. Is Mardi Gras important to you? Don't be a drag, just be a queen. Whether you're broke or evergreen. Your black, white, beige, show legend. Your Lebanese, your Orient. Whether like disabilities left you outcast for leader tease. Rejoice and love yourself today. Because baby, you were born this way. Rochelle Hunt and James Finlay with you on the Conversation Hour. We're talking Mardi Gras. Has it become too political or is it simply a place to be political? Is it the perfect place to protest? And can you combine both partying and protest in one? John's called. He's in Geelong. Morning, John. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good. What do you think? Look, I think it's just become so politicised. It's about celebration and, and quite honestly... You know, with all of the Prime Minister's Maccavanian performances lately, I, I just think he's politicising. He doesn't need to march if he wants to be there. Well, good on him. But, but it shouldn't be corporates. It shouldn't be politicians. It should be about people celebrating their lives, celebrating acceptance. And, and the Prime Minister, sorry, he doesn't need to come. John, do you? Uh, what makes you think that it should just be a party? Because there's still a lot of people in the LGBTI community that still feel like they don't have equality because they don't. Well, I don't. I don't think the prime minister turning up is going to change equality. It's about acceptance and about celebration. And I think Australia has come a very, very, very long way in the last decade. And I. I think most people thoroughly enjoy Mardi Gras. I thoroughly enjoy it, but I get sick of the corporates and the politicians mm. trying to trying to gain some wedge or benefit from it. They don't need to be there. It's, in my opinion, I, and I think Prime Minister, sorry, you don't need to come, mate. Well, what do you think it would look like if the Prime Minister of the country didn't turn up to Mardi Gras? Well, he doesn't need to come. There's no... What's the, the, the purpose of him coming? I'm sorry, it's about him promoting himself and saying that I'm this wonderful, um, all-inclusive, sympathetic mm. man. It, it, he doesn't need to be there. His action should show it. His action should show it yeah. in health and in emergency services and in support for the community. It shouldn't be about puffing his chest out and say, here I am, aren't I wonderful? Yeah. Sorry, just doesn't pass a pub test. John, thank you. I must admit, I sort of fall either side as well. There's times where I feel like John. I think, well, maybe it's less about marching and and being at Mardi Gras and more about making systemic change, you know, in workplaces, putting in, whether it be quotas or whatever it is, making actual change. And then I go, yeah, but at the same time, God, I love, I'm going to absolutely love watching him be there and seeing him there because I do believe that it comes from a true place, you know, and from a place of pride and that I, I think it might make a difference. But I, I'm a little bit, you know, like John, I sort of go, oh, oh, there's change and then there's tokenism. 
Well, yeah, but then I, I bring up the point, well, his electric uh, is in the heart of Sydney, uh, part of, you know, with a very high gay population as well. Uh, if, if he didn't march, then what message does it send? If, if the Prime Minister is snubbing one of the biggest LGBTI celebrations in the world, particularly this year when it is World Pride as well. This text says Mardi Gras become more commercial, not political enough. That's from Soroya in Newport, who attended back in the 80s. Alex is in Heidelberg. Morning, Alex. I'm a member of the uh, Transgender Diverse Community and I'm uh, based down here in Nam, Melbourne, uh, Victoria, and... Oh, look, I've been to Mardi Gras. I grew up watching Mardi Gras on free-to-air TV and back in the 90s when it was still incredibly political, um, floats were not being turned away for being too radical, um, which we are seeing, which we've been seeing for the last several years, not just at, at Mardi Gras per se, but at other Pride events across this country. Um, I think it's really disgusting seeing politicians and members of institutions that still perpetuate harm against the LGBTIQA plus and sister girl and brother boy communities in this country uh, march freely uh, in uniform, I guess, to some people and for a lot of people who are old enough to remember the police violence against our communities uh, previously in the 80s and the 70s and maybe even prior to that. And then, of course, the Tasty Raid in 1994. Um, and Alex, do you so think there's more control over small? You mentioned local small pride events. And, you know, we're going to go to Bendigo in just a moment, who for a few years now have been celebrating pride. And as James Findlay, you know, your co-host today said, it's World Pride this year. Do you think yeah. smaller communities have more control? So if you had a small business that wanted to march, you know, you're on West Heidelberg, if there's a local business there that wanted to be a part of a Pride event, is that okay? I think I think if you're part of, if you're a business that's run, if you're a queer-run business and a queer-run community organisation, which we don't always have a lot of, um, then I have no problem with representation there. However, Pride is inherently political. Pride was always a protest. And for many people within yeah. the community who still have a lot of struggles to you know, to deal with, you know, we have the whole gay marriage thing now, but there are so many other LGBTIQA plus SB struggles that are still, you know, they don't have the oxygen because the marriage uh, campaign sucked a lot of the oxygen out when they expected us from those other, you know, communities who had our own struggles yeah. to help them out. And then we get thrown under the bus. The trans community has been thrown under the bus continuously ever since the Stonewall riots, ever since the gay liberation start in that particular period of history. And Alex, I know there's been a lot of very vocal people from the, the trans community saying that they don't always feel welcome at the at Mardi Gras and th that's been something that's been discussed at length, I know. And I, I'm sorry to feel that, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that you don't always feel like you're represented, but it's been wonderful to hear from you. And James, there was even a title change to Mardi Gras, wasn't it? Because as Alex rightly said, some people are represented, but even within the LGBTIQ plus community, some people feel that they're not represented. And is, is Mardi Gras or local pride events, is that the perfect place to do that? Yeah, well, Sydney Mardi Gras was, well, the gay, Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras changed its name to the Sydney Mardi Gras for a few years, uh, just so it didn't have, so it, it did seem more inclusive, but then people were upset with that. And then it, it got its name back as the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras, but as, as you said, then excluding trans and gender diverse people in the name. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, 
it's a hot potato when it comes to naming there, but it, it is really important that these events are totally inclusive of the entire uh, LGBTQI plus community. Lots of people uh, uh, about whether or not Mardi Gras and our Prime Minister should be at Mardi Gras. They're saying elbow at Mardi Gras. Yay! I think it's great that he's there and out there and supporting the community. And another saying it symbolises the office supporting, uh, not the man. So lots of people saying that it is really important. And many people saying that for years, Anthony Albanese had attended and that was the other thing I thought too James is he could be there but be on the sidelines maybe yeah well that's a very good point that's exactly what uh, Malcolm Turnbull did uh, Darren you've given us a call from Beechworth uh, what do you feel about how do you feel about corporate floats being in the Mardi Gras well I was actually used to be involved with Mardi Gras back season before it changed over because it went bankrupt and restarted and I ended up on the parade committee when it all restarted. We had the big debate then about corporates. We sort of let a, a few in. But the, the thing about having corporates there, it's actually showing that these businesses support the LGBTQI plus staff. You know, where I remember as a youngster going and you couldn't be out at work because you could fear of discrimination or being fired. But now all these businesses are actually supporting them and actually having their own little things to really promote people. So Did you uh, used I to... don't see where there's a problem. Yeah. Did you used to work for a big corporate organisation like this, Darren? Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, how, and how would it have... had to be really closeted. Yeah, it had to be so yeah. closeted at work. There's some fear of what could, you know, repercussions mm-hmm. that could come from that. Because, you know, not that they actively discriminated against, but they wouldn't do anything if people were basically being homophobic towards you. What would have mean to you? What would have meant to you back then if the organisation you worked for was involved in something like Mardi Gras? Well, it actually would just show that the organisation actually cares about the staff as well, because you know, it's not you know, is it that some will do it just for publicity? Yes, but at the same time, is there couldn't be also the negative possible publicity for all the haters? So they're standing up to those negatives as well. What about the idea, Darren, you know, when we look at some of the huge corporate floats in Sydney, Mardi Gras, and I think it's very different for, say, localised pride events and small businesses coming on board, that finding that balance between the huge amount of money that corporates spend and the money that goes to Mardi Gras and how those, that money can then be used as a resource for smaller communities, I mean, how do you sort of balance that with the idea? Is it just pinkwashing? Is this something that they're just doing to, to tick boxes, to look like they're doing all the right things, but in actual fact they're not changing their workplace practices? There could definitely be some out there. Not, um, I won't deny that. But at the same time, is it's, you know, to go out there and there's enough haters still around to help, one, normalise it, and two, as I said, they're going up against them anyway. You know, like, I'd honestly say, just from knowing when I was back on Mardi Gras as well, if there was actually a corporate out there that was actively really going against their staff, they just wouldn't be accepted. You know, but at the same time, is they need the money because, like, you know, Mardi Gras already had gone bankrupt once. Yeah. And we, we almost lost money. it. I was, I, I was one of the ones that helped part it. This is also where the name change came in. It wasn't just because of the name change because I chose to, because the name change was owned by the old corporate. So we couldn't call it exactly the same thing. It's funny, so, Darren, isn't it? When we think about Mardi Gras and those of us that watch it from the outside and see it as one of the most joyous celebrations, like the biggest party, the best party you could ever go to, it's really important and it's really political and it's it's. It's a great bloody party, but it's more than that, isn't it? It sounds like it oh, means a lot to you. And the the subtlety of some of the political stuff can be absolute. Like the straight out 
full-on political can be quite boring, but actually some of the really smart humour that goes with the whole political one with, you know, some of the ones that we've done over the times, you know, like everything from just straight out fun floats when there was an entire float once of, I think, about 100 Adira Naidus walking up the street <laughs> to, um, to you know, some of the politicians where they've had those. And the old good old Fred Nile days was always hysterical because they had a section where we, where we call their supporters work, you know, because... It was actually organised by Mardi Gras, where they were going to be as well. They worked together to actually have them their own area for their little protest area. And the banter that would go back and forward got to the point of it was actually quite hysterically funny. Yeah, Darren. You know, yeah. But he, yeah so, it's been wonderful yeah, just getting your perspective and and your you know your thoughts and your and your uh, history on that as well. Thank you so much for your call. Happy Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras. Pa. This text, Rochelle and James. As an old lesbian, I cried when Christine Nixon marched at Midsummer. Every time I silly see police march in uniform I feel so overwhelmingly happy Anthony Albanese marching is a massive symbol of acceptance and that's from Ronnie who's north of the Yarra. Another James in St Kilda says, Rochelle and James, I'm off to Sydney World Pride and also to attend the midsummer events I've been lucky enough to go to Rainbow on the Plains in Hay in New South Wales I'm all for corporate floats, it shows young members of the, of the LGBTQ community that there are places where they can and be themselves at work rather than stay closeted and work in an unhappy place. As for elbow marching, yay, it helps normalise things, says James. Yeah, and he's got a very good point. Um, and we are seeing and this debate also gets brought up when uh, different corporations, you know, maybe paint, I think we've seen this year, a crane in a rainbow colour, a mining company paint a uh, crane of rainbow colour or, um, you know, supermarkets uh, putting rainbows all over their uh, signs. Or yes. I think I, I well, the shopping a... bag I got from the supermarket the other day because my daughter was like, oh, my God, fun, mum, a rainbow bag. <laughs> but what's interesting out of that is I said to her, yeah, it is fun, sweetie, but do you know what that bag symbolises? And we spoke about it as we walked home with our groceries. It was a very good bag. But we spoke about pride. And then she went, oh, right, cool. And she uses and loves that bag all the time. Yeah, and I think that that's the thing. It starts a conversation. Uh, I know I, I saw some commentary online over the last few days uh, about people being really upset about a mining company painting a crane a rainbow. But let me tell you, the conversations I've had while I've been here in the top end with uh, people who are closeted but work FIFO, fly in, fly out, or they work for mining companies, if, if, if a mining company is going to paint a crane a rainbow, it'll start a conversation in that, that workplace. And if that shows some people in that organisation that maybe there are people who, are, who will be accepting, then that is, that is a huge step for people like that because... We don't all live in inner Melbourne or inner Sydney. We are everywhere. Yeah. And unfortunately, it is, it's much harder to live as an out LGBTI person uh, when you're not, you know, behind those. I think what the Priscilla, a quote from Priscilla, you know, we're, we're kept from uh, behind the walls of the city, you know, pr to protect us. Um, of course, we've come a long way since Priscilla, but it's, there are still challenges living regionally and remotely. Rachel Cook is the author of Closets Are For Clothes, A History of Queer Australia, a book for young adults. And, Rach, you've been listening to a lot of this conversation. It does feel like Mardi Gras is sort of up for debate a little bit again at the moment. Is that necessarily a bad thing, debating who should be involved, in particular in the, par in the parade? Uh, 
I don't think it's a bad thing at all. And, and you know, to be honest, um, this debate about whether Mardi Gras is too political or not political enough or too corporate or not corporate enough has really been going on almost since the beginning of Mardi Gras, you know, when it had its first one in 1978 and, and, and it was in June to commemorate uh, the Stonewall riots, which is what happened uh, in 1969. Which Stonewall was a small bar in New York City that got raided on a regular basis like most gay bars did. And on this particular night in 1969, the patrons fought back. And that went on for three days. It was this amazing sort of watershed moment in gay liberation uh, history. And so, so when Mardi Gras started, it was to commemorate Stonewall, but also to address the sort of police brutality that was happening to LGBTIQ people in the 70s and prior to that as well. So it started in June to commemorate Stonewall and then it moved to summer because it was too cold for everyone to be marching in June here. <laughs> and even that move in 1981 uh, had people saying back then, we've lost, we've lost the roots of what the parade's about. It's become less political. It's, it's become too much of a party. So, so these debates have been going on for a really long time. And as, you know, James was saying, it, some years they're more prevalent than others. But this year it does seem to have raised its head again. Why is that, do you think? I mean, is it simply the amount of money, the sheer amount of money that corporates are spending? Is it the Prime Minister? Is Why is that? Or is it because debate is good and debate is healthy? And in a strange way, it cements the future, doesn't it? And ensures that it's always going to be how people want it to be. Because if we didn't debate it, you know, it could go down any any line. Absolutely. You know, Mardi Gras has gone through many iterations, and which is a good thing. You know, it's progressed. Sometimes it's regressed, you know, but it's always changed. But I think another part of it too is that, you know, you've always got new generations of, you know, uh, young queer people, young people who identify as LGBTIQ coming up through the ranks. And then, you know, they'd have their take on it. But for some of those people, you know, they might be really aware of, of the history of Mardi Gras and, the his, and, and our own history and how difficult that history has been. So for them, you know, they want to, uh, in some ways, go back to those grassroots. But as I think it was Darren who, was, who mentioned earlier, that, you know, I mean, I do sit awkwardly on the fence with this issue because... If that money from corporations is going towards people who are disadvantaged, then that's really hard to argue with. And, you know, and there are some community groups that really have no funding, no money at all, and they do amazing work, really amazing work, regional areas for trans communities, you know, for um, the, our you know, communities that really do need or are disadvantaged even within our own queer communities. So I think that, look, it's... Mardi Gras became really quite corporate in the 90s when corporations realised they had this untapped market. Mm. And it really was an untapped market and they began really targeting advertising. And I think the first thing was car ads. And, you know, and it worked. It, it really worked. So, um, but as, you know, we've talked about, uh, someone mentioned before, the other issue is, well, you know, if your intention is that you're marching and it's with altruistic reasons and you're also treating your gay and lesbian and queer employees well, then that's great. But, you know, the intention has to be there and I think it also has to be, you know, not just a cynical, you know, marketing ploy. Rudy has given us a call in Alphington. Uh, Rudy, thanks for giving us a call. What do you feel? How, where do you sit on this? 
Oh, I think it's great the corporates are getting involved because it shows they're recognising a lot more than just having a market or being a good corporate citizen or something. They, they recognize, they're showing mainstream that they need the talents of people from all areas. Like during the Second World War, there are all these code crackers and people, and over the years there's been all these scientists and medical people, all wonderful people, uh, literature and so on, and they weren't recognised. And now corporates being in it mainstream is showing we need, uh, everybody needs the skills from everywhere. All, all areas. Yeah, I think overwhelmingly on the text line anyhow, people are saying absolutely, I think it's a good thing if corporates are involved. And even James Finlay, as you alluded to before with the, the crane in the mining sector, even if, right, the place it comes from is tokenistic, does it still help in some way, even if it's just that one conversation? That's what I find interesting. Rachel Cook is with you, but Lindsay's called throughs in South Bank. Good morning, Lindsay. Good morning. You're attending your first Mardi Gras this year, is that right? That's exactly right. Uh, myself and my wife are actually flying up for the first time to attend the Mardi Gras. I think um, I think it's really important that uh, we as a community embrace it. Um, it's um, it's it's really um, struggle for words here, guys. So um, <laughs> that's okay. What that's okay. You, yeah, what yeah. makes you want to go? Like, why why is it important for you and your wife to go? Uh, look, I think it sends the right message to the community. We're all inclusive. We're all one part of the community. And elbow going up, I think, sends the right message also when marching up there. And uh, I really look forward to going up for the first time and actually seeing the event uh, firsthand. I also work for one of those uh, corporates at the moment that um, is doing the sponsorship on there as well. And I think that's also important that we as a community embrace um, diversity no matter who they are and where they're from. Lindsay, what do you plan on doing when you go up to Sydney? Um, when I plan to go up, I, I'm planning to go up and actually see the uh, major parade for the first time. So I'm still researching it as we speak to find out what goes on up there. <laughs> um, yes, I haven't never been up there. Oh, good on you. Wow. I, I'm, I have to say I'm jealous. I've, with friends for years, we've always said, yes, yes, let's go, let's do it, and have just never got as organised as Lindsay and managed to, to get around and, and Rich, it. we're going to have to go next can year we? now. This is it. I've yeah, we're going now. I've made the yeah. <laughs> Just finally, Rachel Cook is the author of Closets for Clothes, A History of Queer Australia, a book for young adults. How important is, is Mardi Gras, do you think, to, to, to everyone, to the the corporates to Lindsay, you know, to to those maybe that are now coming out for the first time to family or to workplaces. Does Mardi Gras play a role there? Do you think? Absolutely, and I, and I think the really important thing to remember is that you know, for a lot of people, it's about experiencing this moment of pride. And you know, I've heard you know straight people say, you know, why do you have to be proud about your sexuality? You know, I'm straight. I don't feel a need to be proud about that. But I think what you know people are forgetting is that for many lgbtiq people you what you learn is to feel shame you learn to feel shame pretty quickly and early on in the piece and whether that's from you know your home the schoolyard via the media via certain politicians or the church or generally you know all of the above you know that scars you and that and that can that can manifest in really deep feelings of shame and, and really affect you on a daily basis so you know to get yourself when you get to an event a pride event like uh, Mardi Gras, and you get to a point where you get to say to yourself, you know, well, 
I'm, I'm gay, I'm lesbian, I'm queer, I'm trans, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I'm okay, you know, and that um, I can be proud of myself. Unless you've experienced that shift, you really can't imagine how big that is. And I think for a lot of people who go to Mardi Gras, they might only experience that moment while they're there. Then they go back to their yeah. other life where yeah. they are still having to be closeted at work or in their family. Um, and uh, the toll that takes on you, and the number of people have brought up being closeted in the workplace, the toll that takes you, those simple things, people talking about, you know, small talk with fellow employees, you know, people mentioning, you know, my husband, my wife, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, talking about, you know, their lives. And you sit there, you know, for some people who can't be out at work or for whatever reason, and and you're sitting there and what's going through your mind is how do I deal with this conversation? How do I get myself yeah. out of this conversation? The toll that takes on you on a daily basis is, uh, is uh, incredibly impactful. So I think things like Pride and Mardi Gras are incredibly important institutions. That's so beautifully said. Rachel, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Author of Closets for Clothes, A History of Queer Australia, a book for young adults. James, this text, as a mother of two queer kids, I look forward to proudly marching alongside them in a pride parade at some time. I've also recently discovered that I've been married to a closeted gay man for over 30 years and this has been shattering. Incredibly difficult for him to live a lie in regional Victoria but unbelievably devastating for me to live in a closet I never knew I was in. It's my hope that pride parades provide opportunity for individuals to be authentic and to express themselves, to celebrate their genuine sexuality and hopefully straight spouses like me will be a thing of the past in the future. Wow. Yeah, it really hits home, doesn't it? Yeah. That there are still people who are still struggling. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. We're talking Mardi Gras. Is it a place of protest, a place to be political? Is it a place for corporates? And if you have a local Pride event in your community, how involved do you want the corporates to be, the local businesses to be? I actually think locally, when you go hyper-local, James, I know you spent a lot of time presenting and producing at ABC Bendigo. I think Pride events are almost more important in small regional communities. If that last text that I just read is anything to go by, then showing your local community members that it's okay to be who you are. Yeah, that's it. And we are seeing uh, more work being done in regional areas to, to to celebrate diversity and LGBTQI plus lives. And it's look, and it, and it's it's great to see because uh, it starts conversations in in small towns. It, you see uh, people who will come out as being allies, you know, and saying, oh, "Look, I support you. Be you can be who you are." Um, and if that encourages people to then take that step to to live their true lives and be their true selves. Then that's 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 so important, yeah, and it, it shows that you don't have to move to a city to to yes, live your best life. Because that's the whole, isn't it? I mean, that's so true. I mean, did you feel that growing up that you had to move to Melbourne or to Sydney to be your true self? You know, because you had to hide it from, and whether that be suburban Melbourne or that be in regional Victoria, that you had to mm. move to a big city centre to be true. Oh, totally. Well, because I grew up in regional New South Wales and I didn't realise I was gay until I moved to Melbourne. But then there, I, I, for years I felt like I couldn't be myself when I went back to Batemans Bay anyway. Um, and so as soon as I came back to the city, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm back with my people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Has sure, that changed there is, now, though, though? 
over the years? Oh, it's it's got better, um, but it's look every time I visit Melbourne or Sydney, I I still get a sense of being <sighs> being around yeah, being around my people again. Well, I think that's changing, and hopefully it's because of the work that people like our next guest, John Richards, is doing. He's the Bendigo Pride Festival Director. John, a warm welcome and a happy Pride Month. How important is it to have a Pride event, a Pride Festival, in regional Bendigo? I think that's a really good point about, in some ways, they're possibly more important regionally you know, than they are in, in, in the cities, because, of course, we, we should acknowledge that there are places in Australia that aren't Sydney or Melbourne. And so, <laughs> you know, it's really important that uh, I grew up in, in a small town in southwest WA. I knew I was queer from a very young age and I knew I had to get out. I knew that there was no life in the regions. Uh, I've lived in you know, London and Melbourne and, and Vancouver. I've ended up in Bendigo. And it's weird because there is such a huge difference between when I was young and, and now. And I see these great, you know, queer kids and non-binary kids and they're all willing, uh, you know, they, they can stay here now. They, they don't have to leave immediately to rush off yeah. to the city. Yeah, the, just the change that Bendigo has gone through over the past few years has, has been phenomenal and the work that you've done with Bendigo Pride is, is incredible. What have been some of the some of the challenges uh, or have there been challenges to, to get the town behind what you're doing? John? Well, this is, a, this is a curious thing because not really. Like I probably would have thought there was more and obviously you know everyone brings their own baggage into this and i've certainly met people in the town who, who grew up when it was a very grim place to live especially if you're queer and they're almost self-positive because they've had to protect themselves over the years but when we started the festival um it was just fascinating how open everyone was to the idea of it and how involved people want to be we actually do um research in our audience at the end of every festival and for the last few years Roughly 30% of our audience are straight allies. Yeah. And in yeah. some ways, that's, that's kind of better. Like it's, yeah. you know, because yeah, yeah. We're, we're also primarily, we try to aim to be in arts and culture. So we do lots of theatre and lots of, you know, basically storytelling in, in various ways. And so if we're talking to the people who actually need to hear these stories. We both, you know, our local queer community, but also to the broader community. And we have this thing that we say we're a Pride Festival in two ways, that it's Benigo's, Community's pride in itself, but it's also our pride in living in Bendigo. And so we want to make this thing where it's not siloed off. We're not kind of hiding away. We're saying this is our party, this is our town, and you are invited to join us. And so that's and been then, really important to us. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we do need allies on board to, to get things done. It's oh, really absolutely. hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we did the other thing we've been doing is like we've got an oral history project running at the moment. Uh, the Victoria's Pride helped fund um, the Department of Family and Fairness and Housing. We did a huge racism project with them. And in the racism project, uh, it was pointed out that you know racism is really a white people issue and white people have to fix it. You know, so there is that sense of you can't ask people who are being racially abused to stop racism. And in that same way, you can't stop homophobia just within the queer community. You know, you need straight people on board to kind of go, oh, yeah, right, that, that, that's how this should work. John, how, how do you make sure that the impact that you have during Bendigo Pride stays there for the whole year? Yeah. Well, we, I mean, obviously we've had, I mean, this is the other interesting thing too, because Bendigo had the, the, well, has the Bendigo Queer Film Festival. It's been running for like 16, 17, 18 years now. Like, 
So there's always been things here. For us, it's partly the big celebration across, you know, the three weekends that are in our festival in March, April, but also then making sure things keep happening. We've done pop-up Pride in December the last couple of years. We had an amazing Halloween party. There's that sense of if we can make sure something is happening every three months or so, yeah, and if we can help support other groups like Trans and Gender Diverse Benny on Beyond who have a, a social day every month, if you just sort of, sort of keep it bubbling along so people know that there is a community here for yeah. them. Yeah, and, and often things like social media falls into that as well. John, congratulations. As someone who spends a lot of time in Bendigo, I'm going to keep my eye on when the next event is because you've got an ally right here and I'll, uh, I'll be there proudly supporting the next <laughs> Bendigo Pride event. Congrats. Well done. Well, it starts March 17. Look at our website. There's over 50 events. There's a huge amount of stuff to do. Thanks so much for your time. John Richards, you. the Bendigo Pride Festival Director. And do you know what I wrote down? Uh, the line that John said there is, they can stay here now. And that just meant yeah. so much to me, you know. So many young people, for whatever reason, leave regional Victoria because they feel like they can't be their true selves where they live and they leave. And we need our young people to stay in regional Victoria, you know? Absolutely. I remember I was uh, I was out in an event uh, in Bendigo uh, just in the, what, in the last year or so, and I there was there was this group of trans and young trans and gender diverse people. I said, "Where have you all come from? Are you visiting?" And they're like, "No, we all live here." I was like, "This is this is amazing. <laughs> this is the best. I love that." Mark's called. Mark's on the road. Good morning, Mark. Oh, good morning. What did you want to say? Um, look, uh, um, I'm a former production manager of, of the parade and party and I think Elbow's attendance is spectacular. Um, when I was doing the, the events, we would um, accommodate 60-odd international film crew that would be coming in to film this so that it was going worldwide. And I think seeing our Prime Minister, not just here in Australia, but that being pumped out to the world is really significant. Have you seen an increase in corporates wanting to get involved? And as someone, you know, that was behind the scenes, is it coming from the right place, do you think, Mark? Well, initially in the, in the 90s, they were very much against a, um, a profile of corporate on the parade route, you know, in, in participating. But Mardi Gras still had uh, corporate involvement. Um, am I able to say companies? I mean, we had an airline, an Australian airline, that had supported Mardi Gras for years um, in bringing artists to Australia. Um, a telecommunications giant was always there to assist um, Mardi Gras in, in the background for many years. But yeah. there was still that um, uh, sort of push to keep uh, uh, corporates off the parade route. It's funny, you know, I didn't expect the overwhelming support to come in today for corporates. There's another from Patrice's in Wonthaggy. Thanks for your call, Mark. It says, corporate involvement is great. They need to show our children the future. It's okay to be me. As a mum of five children, I want my children and their peers to see who's involved and who's not and where the safer workplaces are, who's current and inclusive, who's waving the pride flag high because everybody should be welcome. What do you think? 
should corporates it, be involved? Justine Della Riva is the CEO of Victorian Pride Centre. One of the oh, we are so proud of that Pride Centre, by the way, here in Melbourne. It's such <laughs> an incredible place. Justine, when we talk about local events and local Pride events, do you want corporates? Do you want politicians involved? Hi, Rochelle and James. Thanks for having me. Um, I think it's always uh, a really uh, important discussion to have around uh, who's included in uh, Pride events. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the listeners today have pointed to, you know, a couple of the really key considerations, which is um, when you have commercial organisations involved, you know, who are the people marching? Is that the members of our community who work for those organisations and that gives them an opportunity to feel proud and be a part of a, a, an event or a march? Um, and also being part of a, a, a pride march or an event uh, is an opportunity for community to, to make those commercial organisations accountable for being a part of that. So what are they doing uh, within their organisations to make uh, it more inclusive and to support, support, their, support their staff? So I think there, there are some of the considerations and the impact that can come from uh, having commercial entities or councils, um, you know, have a have a place within um, some of our amazing events. How do you find that balance, though, as as an organisation to to accept corporate involvement, but then also keep uh, though that grassroots movement uh, alive without losing its you know its its bite? Well, I think you know. I'll- Nowadays, we have so many organisations that have established uh, pride networks within their organisations and they support those pride networks to do great work. So, you know, that is a form of, you know, sort of community-based um, activism within uh, um, an employee or an organisational environment. Um, for us at the Pride Centre, we do, you know, have commercial partnerships and they're uh, important to us. Um, they help in our sustainability, of course, but I, I've always seen them as a great opportunity for us to influence those workplaces and to keep them, as I said, uh, accountable, but also, in a sense, um, be able to facilitate connections between those organisations and some of the other organisations in the Pride Centre who are doing great work around uh, policy development in terms of, you know, trans and gender diverse transition leave policies or connecting them into uh, inclusive practice training. Um, so there's a number of things that, that, you know, you're able to do when you're having those relationships, but also having that dialogue. Is it a place for visible protest as well if people choose to so depending on maybe what's happening in the wider community and the debates that are being have had around people's identity and sexuality maybe sometimes they have no choice around those conversations it might be something that's happened in the local community can pride events should they be a place to protest and a safe place to protest uh, I think, you know, the right to certain groups to be involved in Mardi Gras or Pride March, it's a really complex and multi-layered and a very nuanced discussion. Um, and we need to reflect on and acknowledge the 
history and experiences of parts of our community and the ways to which institutions um, have viewed or treated us. Um, you know, we've talked or others have talked today about the history of, of Mardi Gras and the, um, you know, that it, it was a protest movement. It was about, um, you know, raising the concerns and the treatment of our community. Um, so I, I think, you know, you've got to take those perspectives on board um, and, you know, have a place where uh, conversation and dialogue uh, can be had. Um, uh, and we are a country that, you know, allows uh, allows people to peacefully protest mm. in safe environments. Justine Della Riva is with you, CEO of the Victorian Pride Centre. Our number's 1300 222 You can text as well, 0437-774-774. The role of Mardi Gras, the role of Pride events and marches, whether it be in Sydney or in your local community. There's a text here that says, I'm not sure if this has already been mentioned, but as a local straight Dalesford person, uh, literally the best weekend of the year is our chill out <laughs> festival. It celebrates everything LGBTIQA plus. It's the best vibe, full of people and parties in rural Victoria. No negativity, just an awesome weekend. Get on board, people. It's the Labor Day weekend in March, says this particular text. <laughs> and that's a festival, James, that I know you've spoken a lot about. And I mean, this community in Dalesford and that surrounding area really, and rightly so, is proud of that event. Absolutely. And it's the longest running regional uh, pride event in the country. Uh, it's, oh, it's such a beautiful time of year. It's, it's, it's great. I, I love Chill Out. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's been around forever. And I think it's been a, uh, a, I guess a guiding light for other regional, uh, towns to, uh, to, to celebrate pride in different ways as well. Um, plus, it's a huge um, driver for bringing people out to the town and a huge economic uh, positive for, for the people of Dalesford. Just finally, Justine, how important is Sydney Mardi Gras? Do you think it's more important to have local events or does Sydney Mardi Gras, is it still kind of the beacon that's held up as the place for people to be their true selves? Oh, I think we need both, really. Um you know, the, the Sydney Mardi Gras is, you know, the first major, you know, visible event for community and from that uh, other events and, and the Pride March and Midsummer down here uh, in Melbourne uh, have grown. Um, we need places uh, across the state where community is visible and where community can come together and connect to socially yeah, connect. Perfect. Justine, thanks for your time. Right. Thank you, Rochelle and James, and happy Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras. <laughs> happy Mardi Gras. CEO of Victorian Pride Centre. James Finlay, there's a taxi from TED, and this is actually leads into the program we're going to be doing on Friday. And it says, I often wonder how different the culture, especially men's sport, would be if AFL players came out and were accepted. According to statistics, there could be quite a few. Well, we're looking at homophobia in sport, and I know that's a program you and I worked on over a year ago, and some more research has come out around what and how we change homophobic language and homophobic behaviour and how we support people to be their true selves in, in sporting events. And let me tell you, Rugby Victoria is doing some interesting stuff. And the, the Ooh, AFL, okay. yeah, the AFL have got some things to learn from rugby. 
Okay, that's great. It's I, I read just I read this morning that the NRL have uh, had their application to be part of Mardi Gras declined over the past few days. They have been there in the past, um, which is disappointing. I think because uh, if it's a sport that there there are rugby play uh, rugby league players who uh, L- LGBT isn't that interesting? Yeah, we uh, that- and you know. Yeah, it, it would. It, it, it's it's one sport that really needs uh, some some progress when it comes to uh, LGBT rights um, and and acceptance for sure. We spoke about Bendigo Pride earlier, and this text from Dean, who's now in Richmond, but it says, "Hi, Rish and James. As someone who grew up in Bendigo in the seventies and eighties, I was bullied for the thirteen years I spent at school for being gay. The transformation Bendigo has undergone is unfathomable to me, and I am so pleased to hear what's happening. No child should have had to have endured." what I endured ever, ever. So that's from Dean in Richmond. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Take care and we'll speak to you soon.